Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. This is a program called Candy View. It's all about your finances. And today it's my pleasure to have on the phone from the Stuart Group, Brent from the Stuart Group in Wellington. How are you going, Brent? Hey, I'm going well, Ken. How are you going? I'm all the better for talking with you, Brent, because uh, you're the man that knows everything about uh, what to do about investing. <laughs> well, I might, know, I might know one or two things, but uh, let's keep it all in, uh, in perspective and we won't tell too many people, Ken. Absolutely right. Now, before we get to uh, today's topics, which are many and varied, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just reminding our listeners, Brent, what the Stuart Group's all about. Yeah, sure. Stuart Group is a financial planning, uh, investment and insurance advisory firm. We're uh, CFIX certified, which means that we must act in the investor or the client's best interest. We're independently audited and we're held to account on those very exacting high ethical standards. And when I come to see you for advice, it is just that, isn't it? You don't say to me, well, I think you should invest in, uh, in Ken Morrison shares. No. No, we, uh, we, we adhere to uh, the, well, it's, it's basically a six-point plan. Um, we've got to understand who you are, Ken, what, what, what drives you, what motivates you, what's of interest for you, what's in your best interest, what is it that you want to achieve. Um, understand where you want to get to, understand where you are today, and then we build a bridge across that gap. So it might be something like KiwiSaver, it might be something like, look, um, I've got a house, I've got grandkids, I want to provide for them. Um, it might be any of any of the things that drive most people. And I was just interestingly uh, reading about the latest Financial Services Council, Ken, and it reminded me of you. I don't think they need to do a survey at all. They just need to give, give Ken a call because it's here. <laughs> 68% of all respondents are worried about house prices, 65% are worried about interest rates, 79% are worried about inflation, and 43 are not confident in the New Zealand economy. Ken, I think that sounds like you. It does sound like me. I wonder, is there a certain sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but when people come to see you for the first time, uh, as first-time investors, are they generally looking for that, or you know, that sort of Wolf of Wall Street type thing, we're going to get rich and it won't take long? Look, uh, I think everybody thinks we're going to get rich and it won't take long until they understand that it's a little bit like getting fit. It's hard work and it's day in, day out. So there is no, there is no get rich quick scheme. Um, there never has been. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it generally is too good to be true. So it's about discipline. And I think part of the role of any financial planning firm is to hold the hand of our client and to walk them through difficult times. You know, it, it's not often that 
one country, one sovereign nation will invade another sovereign nation. It's not often that, uh, even if it's a small percentage of, of a population, will camp out at Parliament ground um, for, for three weeks and, and hold a, a, a national uh, city to ransom. It, it's, it's not often that these things happen. And from a financial perspective, a client might say, hey, what's going on? What do I need to do? A financial advisory firm, a, 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 a fiduciary, the one that's really acting in the client's best interest, will explain what's going on, put it into a context of, of a global scale, and then give confidence that, look, Microsoft is still selling its programs, Amazon is still selling its services, uh, Google or Alphabet is still providing its services, Louis Vuitton is still selling its handbags, and even despite a global pandemic, Air New Zealand is still flying planes. So we need to keep investing in these blue chip icons and these companies that are, are, are well researched and have a depth of, of solid management. and. The economy will follow on from that. Everything that you said, there's 100% on the button. And I think to people who are you know, maybe uh, thinking people, then they'll say, yeah, you, you're quite right there, Brent. I might just uh, uh, reappraise my course of action that I was about to take. But the problem is that I know several people at the moment, Brent, who are very nervous about what's going on in the world. And even though they are thinking people, and they're saying, mm, I might get my money out of KiwiSaver because I've got X amount of bucks. And over the last few weeks, it's gone down 100 or 1,000. And they're actually taking money out. Now, that's not necessarily a good idea, is it? No, it's not. Look, I'm I'm nervous about the world. I'm I'm worried for the world. I I, I uh, you know for my sins and in, in the past I've done a bit of singing, and I noticed that there's a Ukrainian uh, female uh, singer who's about to grace the stage at Opera Australia. I sent a message across to my mates at Opera Australia saying, is it appropriate that somebody who is Russian um, is singing at Opera Australia, taxpayer funded um, in Australia? Is this appropriate? Um, I got an answer back saying, well, she's half Russian, half Ukrainian, and, and I note that Anna Natrebko and uh, Valerie Gergiev have been have also been sidelined by the Met. Uh, then I read today that uh, you know the final shipment of crude oil is on its way to Marsden Point. What happens to our our capacity to to refine oil if, mm. if we're cut off? I'm nervous. I'm nervous, but I know that if I take my money out of KiwiSaver, I've got to put it somewhere. And where do you put it? So there's only, well, if I put it into the bank, I'm going to get, what, 1%? Yeah, maybe exactly. maybe 2% if I'm lucky. Um, I'm just not going to get anything. Uh, where else can I put it? I could put it into property. But gee whiz, you know, property went up 30% last year. And we're, and we're seeing stats saying it's down 10% to, uh, at present. Um uh, one of the most sensible things I might be able to do is pay off a mortgage if, if I've got mortgage debt uh, because I've got a guaranteed return of whatever the mortgage rate is. So say it's 4%, I've got a guaranteed 4%. That might be sensible to do, but where else could I put it? Uh, bonds, but they have a risk. And there's the risk of greater risk nowadays of default with inflation. So um, you've got to think very carefully about what's the purpose, what's your time frame. If your friends or you know people that are taking money out of KiwiSaver, is their time frame 10 years? Mm, exactly. Because over any 10-year period, 
markets have always rebounded back to where, where they were historically previously. There's never been a 10-year period of a negative return uh, since 1928, since records have been kept in the wider market. So I, I think there just needs to be... But that having been said, if it allows you to sleep well at night... If you that's the the sleep test, yep. um, then you've got to be comfortable with that. It's, it's not for not for an advisor or a, or an investment consultant uh, to talk you into something that you just don't feel comfortable with. A good point that you made about uh, housing there—that it's down ten percent—is it down ten percent because we've come to the end of that cycle? You know, those halcyon days of property prices going through the roof—have they come to an end, or are they down because of the two more that the world is in? And wow, ten percent down—that's the time to buy bricks and mortar. No, I think it's the former, Ken. I, I, I think that you know, I, I don't own a house. I've, as you may recall, I, I've returned here from Singapore under the COVID situation myself and my wife. And um, I, uh, I just didn't understand the property market. You know, um, we're renting a property, and uh, you take the rent and you divide it by, say, three and a half or four percent, and that should tell you what the capital value of that property is. So when I do that, yeah, the property that I'm renting should be around about nine hundred thousand uh, dollars, but it's not. It's one point seven mm. million. Now I'm not going to borrow a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, to, to jump into that market. So I think what's happened is a lot of people have gone, hey, it's too hard, it's too difficult. Uh, a lot of people like me that are first home buyers, you know, and maybe even maybe your children, um, what are they going to, you know, when you and your wife started out, Ken, what was the value of the house and, and, and how many years' wages was it? I think my dad's salary was £3,000 a year and it was like, five years' wages yeah. to, to buy their first home in, in uh, Dunedin. Um, now I'm, I'm looking at 12 years' wages yeah, exactly. uh, to get into the market. So people think like me go, hey, that's too hard, that's too difficult. You know what? I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. I'll pay the rent, and I recognise that that's debt money. I'm not getting an asset for that, but I'm not taking on debt either, and I can regroup and I can wait until the tide turns, until things settle down, and until, you know, um, that mad rush to, uh, that fear of missing out um, abates, uh, and, and everything just calms down um, to, to some sort of more normality, I think. I think that's where it is, Ken. Yeah. And I suppose uh, it's a bit like anything, and you've got to be there for the long haul, don't you? Well, absolutely. Um that, that's the that's the long term uh, perspective you've got to take because if it was if it was like Logan's Run, I don't know if you remember that yes, TV remember that, show, yeah. and everybody knew that they were going to die at the age of whatever it was, sixty or sixty five. Um, then we could all plan accordingly. You know, I'm I'm quite sure uh, Shane Warne didn't go to bed the other night uh, thinking that it was all doom and gloom. You've got to have that positivity. Um, you've got to plan for the eventuality uh, that things are going to happen, but you don't plan. Oh well, today's going to be the last day. You 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 have to have that long term view. Otherwise, I think we're all in the the doom and gloom and the pessimism business. Otherwise. Now you're in the finance business. I mean, what what is the long? What, well, probably better way to ask us: What's the short term view of people like yourself who are dealing with money uh, day in day out, dealing with investments day in day out, uh, with regard to uh, the situation in the U- Ukraine, the supply chain to New Zealand or any other part of the world, COVID? Um, 
what, what's the short-term guess? It'd have to be a guess anyway, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the short term, it is a guess. I mean, in the, lo- in the longer term, everything will rev- revert. I don't really like that word. It's used too often in, in Southeast Asia. But it will revert to, to the normality, to the, to the mean. It will regress to the mean average. But in the, in the short term... <sighs> You know, if, if if you can get your container worth of goods to Australia, why would you want it to come to New Zealand? Yeah. New Zealand isn't a, isn't a port like Singapore where you can um, you can deconsolidate and then send it to any region else. New Zealand's the final sort of stop. So I think we've got a bit of a risk there. Um, it's a little bit of a risk, and I think that's why we see a little bit of shortness on the shelves. I'm noticing it here in Wellington. Um, the sugar. Uh, there must be something going on there with the Chelsea Sugar Refinery or something's happening yeah. because we're only allowed one thing of sugar. So we're seeing this, um, these sorts of short-term supply shocks. We can't do anything about the Ukraine. Um, we can't do anything about Russia. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how many inflatable dinghies we've got to protect the country or <laughs> aircraft. Uh, yeah. I don't know what we've got there uh, to do it. We've abdicated that responsibility, I feel. Um, we can give we can give them our support in terms of uh, a moral support, but we can't control what an unpredictable leader um, who's basically threatened uh, worldwide annihilation. We can't predict what he's going to do. We're blessed in a way because we have food. Um, we manufacture food, uh, so at a very base level, we're blessed in that way. But we've got to be able to get that food to our consumers, and they may even be international. So we've got to have a supply chain uh, that operates. We've got to have uh, uh, levers that allow ports, you know, this is government agencies or councils that allow the economy to tick over. And we have to have a little bit of give and take in terms of when the unpredictable happens, when people want to camp out on Parliament. We've got to be able to manoeuvre around that and do so with a level head and work out, hey, what can we do from this point forward to get the result that we want? I think, you know, look, I think Kiwis are ingenious enough to be able to do it. Give us... What is it? Number number eight chicken yeah, wire, and we'll right. fix anything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder though, Brent, is is your business a bit like every other business in New Zealand? And that's probably not a person that I've spoken to of late that isn't saying, "Ooh, times aren't as are certainly not as good as what they used to be." And some of them are very worried. And uh, I always talk to my daughter when I want a reality check because I mean, you know, I'm nearly seventy years old. I'm in the fortunate position that of uh, my house is uh, mortgage free, um, but. I talked to my daughter a couple of days back, and she said to me that, uh, particularly with the price of petrol, that a few weeks ago she was filling her car up. Let's say it was for uh, $50, and now she's paying $75. It's actually more expensive than that, but that's just the figures I'm going to use. So it's now costing her 50% more to fill up her car. And that money that she's now using for petrol to get to work from and do the chores and whatnot, that money's got to come from somewhere. And that's coming out of her food budget or her savings budget. So... Uh, is that impacting in a big way on the um, investment market? I think it does, Ken. I, I, it, it impacts me. Firstly, I've got to say, um, you don't sound uh, your age. You sound like you're a, a 20-year-old uh, about to go into the ring, Ken, yeah. so you've kept your, kept your voice nice and subtle there. Um, a great voice, I might say, too. Um, uh, 
Oh, it's impacting everywhere. I, I, look, I, my wife and I went up to the Pinnacles uh, down here in Cape Palliser the other day uh, because, you know, we'll do a bit of a walk and have a bit of a walk up there to the Pinnacles and, and we had to put petrol in the car and it was... I was stopping, I stopped in Martinborough and I had my card and you know, petrol was $2.82 and I meant to get a six cent discount. I did the right thing. I, I don't don't think I'm that silly. I did the right thing, pushed the right buttons, didn't get the six cent discount. was a little bit upset, so I only put 20 litres in. I made the decision to put 20 litres in. Uh, that'll get me home from Martinborough back down here to, to central Wellington. Uh, and, oh, yeah, I was thinking, okay, so I've just spent uh, 50, 50 odd dollars uh, on, on a small amount of petrol. That's got to come from somewhere, okay? Yeah. So it means I'm not going to drive into work. It means I'll take the train. Uh, that means I've got to suffer the slings and arrows if it gets wet, as it occasionally mm-hmm. does yes. here at Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and make some sacrifices or cut the cloth accordingly. Yes. Um, you know, milk... Uh, I, I see milks. What is it? Five dollars thirty-six for four liters is what I pay. So, a dollar something a liter. Bread's about well. I can go down to a dollar forty if I have to take the budget bread, but that's probably got a lot of sugar in it. Three dollars sixty for a decent loaf. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know, I know, I noticed here butter. Now, butter a year ago was five dollars uh, for half a half a kilo, I think it is, or whatever it is, a block of butter. Now it's six dollars twenty. Yeah. Tararua. Um, so yeah, we all see it. We all suffer it. Uh, we just make adjustment um, to our lifestyle in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, I think going for a walk along the Pinnacles and up to Cape Palliser, see the country—that's great. But it comes at a cost. Of you know, course. it came at thirty dollars in petrol, probably. Yeah. So what? Um, and that's probably $30 that we won't spend uh, going to the movies or having a meal out. So it has, a, has an impact on other parts of the economy, Ken. But I think that what you do is you change your spending patterns. Your daughter will change her spending patterns accordingly. She'll say, hey, priority number one is her children or your grandkids. Yep. So what have I got to do there to keep them healthy, to keep them uh, educated, to keep them uh, up to date with what well, might not be a new pair of Reebok or Nikes, but, you know, at least comfortable and safe. Then secondly, it'll be food um, and that. So along the, the, the notion of Maslow, if you're familiar with it, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, shelter and protection, uh, roof over the head, uh, clean, warm, comfortable, and then your more esoteric needs such as the, you know, maybe the Netflix or the, the Disney Channel, which might be, you might see a change in consumption patterns around those areas, uh, actually, Ken. You know, I'm thinking about that myself. Do yeah. I really need to spend $240 a year on Netflix? Can I get rid of that and just watch the news, the, the TV NZ On Demand or uh, Australian iView or even the American PBS, uh, which is free to air and available? All right, just about running out of time, uh, Brent. I just wonder if you had to give three uh, pools of wisdom to someone who might be thinking of perhaps not uh, carrying on with, say, their mortgage insurance or their employment insurance or, in fact, you know, putting the clamp on KiwiSaver, taking a bit of a holiday from that. What might be your three best bits of advice to someone thinking along those lines? Oh, gee, Ken, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the first... First thing I'd say, um, 
insurance. Uh, insurance came from uh, basically 10 farmers in China who each put 10% of their rice on 10 different boats because if the boat sank, they only lost 10% of their production and they kept 90%. That's the concept of insurance. You insure the things you cannot afford to lose. Most people will have car insurance uh, and, and they'll have third party in case they hurt somebody else. Uh, so it protects them from a million dollar claim uh, against bodily injury. Uh, most people will not have insured their income. Yet if you add up what your income is, say you earn 50,000 a year, you've got 20 years uh, left, that's a million dollars. So I, I, would, I would strongly recommend if people don't have a stopgap or they don't have six months savings in place, which most people don't, insurance is necessary to protect the things you love and are necessary in your life. The second point I'd make is that of whatever you earn at, on an after-tax basis, you must be saving at least 20% of that mm -hmm. uh, to provide for your longer-term financial security. Where it's saved is your choice, but at least if you start that discipline of saving 20%, it will save you headaches in the long run. It's a bit like stretching. I, I said that my wife and I went for a, a walk at the Pinnacles and up Cape Palace of 250 steps up and 250 steps down. Well, I tell you what, stretching <laughs> is, is necessary and stretching is that saving 20%. And I can tell you that I, I didn't take my own medicine. I didn't do the stretches and I'm feeling it just a little bit today, Ken. <laughs> The third point I, I think I'd make would be um, to be kind to yourself and uh, to discuss financial matters. I, I know in New Zealand people are quite reticent, and I know the one way that you can really upset somebody is uh, the minute you've met them is to say, how much do you earn? I mean, yeah. it's a pretty <laughs> yes. confronting sort of question, and we don't do that. Maybe that's the Puritan Scots in us yes. and some of our backgrounds, I'm not sure. But discuss it with your spouse or your significant other. I encourage people to discuss uh, money and investments, certainly with children. Um, don't let monopoly uh, be the way uh, that they learn about money. I mean, many many children today probably see mum or dad go into the supermarket, put a card down, get all this food, and on top of that, they get $100 back. So there's this whole generation of kids going, yeah. you get all this food for free and you get given $100 and you don't have to do anything for it. So the concept of mowing the lawns and earning something there, teach them to save. Um, I think that that education is probably the third wheel because that then gives to the next generation and the generation after that. So save 20% of whatever you earn. Make sure that you have ensured the things that you cannot afford to lose and educate yourself, be kind to yourself and discuss it uh, amongst significant family members so that you've got a plan in place. I want to just lastly, I, another thing I heard and was from social media, and, I, and again I know people because, who because of that and uh, what they saw, uh, they've started doing it. Uh, they said, go and get some money out of the bank because, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Cash is king and, you know, get some money and stick it under the mattress. Would you advise that? Look, 
we've got a pretty robust financial services system here. Um, I don't think New Zealand's going to attack Turkmenistan or anything like that and that we'll get kicked out of the swift payment system. Um, the Great Depression was caused by a run on banks and I remember my grandmother, actually my great auntie, having, uh, well they were pound notes in those days, between newspapers that were piled up in her in her uh, flat in, in, in Dunedin. Um, I, I wouldn't advise that. I, I think our banking system is robust enough, uh, secure enough. We have a very, uh, we have a reserve asset ratio, which means that the Reserve Bank determines that whatever is in the banking system, a certain percentage must remain uh, liquid so that people can attain have cash. I, I don't think, I, you know, I, I don't think that the banking system is in any mm. threat whatsoever. Um, I, I think. You know, we're, we're, uh, I, think, I think it's more risk that Australia would invade New Zealand than the banking <laughs> system would, uh, would collapse. So uh, um, uh, you know, social media is just what it is, social yes. media. And, um, you know, uh, opinions abound because everybody's got an opinion. But uh, those that are formulating opinions aren't actually out there doing the mucky, are they? No, They're not doing the work. So um, but I you think you... Sorry. Sorry you know, you, but you can see how easy it is to spread fear and panic and, in fact, create things like runs on banks, can't you? Oh, a- a- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of nutters out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I'm sitting, what, 50 metres away from, from Parliament, and I, 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 I agree with everybody's right to protest, but, you know, there's a, there's a memorial there to, our, to the people that gave their life uh, the cenotaph, uh, who were willing to give their life for you and me mm-hmm. and and those protesters, uh, those that want to protest, to have the freedom. You don't you don't set up a toilet outside that. No, you don't. Um, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. You just don't do that. But you know, not everybody's got the same morality or opinions as I do. And some people listening to this may say, "Well, you know, Brent, you know, you don't have a right to say that." I, I don't think you go setting fire to children's playgrounds. I just don't think you do that. So um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talk out there, and it's just that. It's talk. So uh, my counsel would be those that are reading or that are watching, listening to social media, take it with a pinch of salt. Just understand that probably only 10% of it is, is fair value unless it's coming from a reputable source. Maybe that's a good idea. Check everything out. Make sure it is evidence-based. Evidence-based investing, evidence-based social media, evidence-based opinions and call out people who are just making blind statements uh, that that aren't factually correct. I mean, for goodness sakes, we had a president of the United States who said that you need to have a torchlight and drink Clorox, basically, um, to get... So, is that evidence-based? No. (laughs) Do we wish that he did drink some Clorox, maybe we do, maybe we don't, I don't know. But something's made the guy go orange. Um, (laughs) Doesn't mean I agree with the opposing uh, point of view either, but it does mean just search for some evidence. And um, in in these terrible times, you know, I think you can look at people like uh, Fauci and people that have dedicated their life to medicine. I, I don't necessarily... I understand about vaccines, a little bit about them, and I understand people's fear, but by jingoes, I also remember back to the polio epidemic. 
um, before sarin, I think it is, is, the, is what we take as a tablet now. And, and what happened with polio through this country in the 1950s and children in iron lungs, uh, children with walking dif- uh, difficulties even as adults nowadays because of what happened in the 50s. So base it on science uh, and, and understand the risks, uh, weigh it up and make an informed decision based on facts, evidence, rather than opinions. Well said, Brent. Now, just before I let you go, if we want any sound financial advice, where do we get it? Look, we'd be happy to take any calls from potential clients or people or just people that want an independent health check on what's going on with their finances. The Stewart Group would welcome any of your listeners to give us a call. 